so excited to introduce Rogue Discs to our listeners. Guys, check them out on their website, roguediscs.com, or you can just scroll down in the description of this show, and Anna will be nice enough to put a link right there for you to click and get on there. Uh, Nate, this website is awesome. When you get on the website, they've got the dynamic flow chart set up. You can put the specifics to the kind of disc that you like, and they will go ahead and show you all the discs that fit into the speeds and the fade and everything that you want there. They've got more than 20,000 discs and over 600 mold and plastic combinations in stock. They've got some awesome new hand warmers for those of us on my side of the country that are trying to get out there and play in the cold. Check out roguediscs.com. And Nate, for our listeners, there 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 got to be a way to save them a little bit of money, right? Oh yeah, we got our code Run It Ten Ten Percent off your first purchase. I just want to thank them for coming on board. It's awesome to have them working with us, and also say it's definitely hand warmer season over here as well. So I'm looking forward to trying those out. These are the electric ones you can recharge. I've been going through the Costco pack. I'm generating trash. I don't need to do that. I'm I'm going to get digital with my hand warmer technology. Nate Sexton stepping his game up, guys. So, roguediscs.com, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Eagle McMahon, and you're listening to Running It with Nate Sexton. Running It with Nate Sexton is brought to you in part by Innova Champion Discs, the choice of champions. Hello, Disc Golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. He is the Innova team captain and our host, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm good. The season is here. Just got uh, home from Las Vegas a couple days ago. It was fun to be out there, uh, you know, throwing in the relatively warm and sunny weather compared to what I'm used to. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because a lot of people are complaining about the weather, and I'm like, you have no idea what you're complaining about. Um, it's yeah. it, there, it could know. be way worse. Yeah, maybe like Floridians and people from what are they Arizonans? Is that right? I don't even know. Arizonian? Yeah, there you go. Maybe that, that those that's got to be the only people that could be complaining. I mean, geez, it was it was. I thought it would I thought it would be colder. Everyone was saying, oh, it's going to be cold this year. I didn't find it to be cold really at all. All right, well. Obviously, the season's kicked off. Las Vegas was the the first event, and uh, that's what we're here to talk about. Now, typically what we do is we have a conversation, and then I go to questions, and a lot of times we've already touched on the topics from the questions. So I'm going to flip it on you today, Nate. We're going to start right away. We're going to go right to fan questions. Oh, sweet. Uh, because yeah. we, got some, uh, we got some pretty good topics that, that got brought up, and if after we go through some of these questions, we got to touch on anything else, we will. But uh, okay. this, way, this way I think we'll be able to get more of our uh, fans' questions in here. So um, we are going to start on Instagram, and this came from B-Tronic Disc Golf. The dramatic finish at Vegas may be a beacon of light shining over what this season will offer. Better yet, what disc golf will look like in the future. What is your take on the young talent showing up on the scene and accomplishing what some veteran touring pros have not in such a short period of time? Secondly... Will we begin to see some of these older touring pros being pushed off the tour because the talents required to make it are not what they used to be? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, both of those things have been happening, but I think they're going to happen more and more. I think, uh, 
you know, we've definitely seen extremely young players perform incredibly high levels over over the years. But Gannon, uh, you know, maybe even outdid all of that. I mean, especially when you – everything's got to be against the backdrop always of like, okay, well – you know, now it's 2022 and the field's even a little tougher and the field and the course is a little tougher and that's just kind of how it grows. So what he was able to do was amazing. Uh, yes, I think, you know, there's a ton of talented young players. He's chiefly among them. You know, he's probably number one at this point, especially for somebody that young. It's ridiculous that he's only 16 years old. And as far as older players, sure. I mean, you know, at a certain point that happens to everybody where it's uh, it's just not uh, a viable you know, career path anymore. That's how sports goes. And I think, you know, the more diverse you are in your, in what you're doing out there, like I think, you know, Jomez is an, is kind of an amazing thing for, for me and German, you leave, even though none of us, I think are on the precipice of being forced off the tour by any means, but we have a, you know, another way to uh, make that, make our presence be valuable. Um, but yeah, I think certainly there's there's got to be that reckoning for everybody eventually if if you're not uh, you know where you got to move on to the next phase of your life, whatever that is. Watching that kid at 16 years old perform that way in Las Vegas, it was so. As the 18th, as they were coming up, um, Anna and I were actually standing there with uh, Casey White and Seppo, and Seppo had like this crazy box of frisbees that he was just giving out to everybody that was walking by it was not so nice uh we realized we watch gannon go out of bounds and we're like oh my god this this is going to go down now um so we kind of ran and and we're we're watching the the playoffs and uh I, you're just watching this kid and like mom's on the bag he's got math class in the morning and here he is battling for for first place it's just like uh, it, it was really amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, and obviously hats off to Drew. He played amazing, but I couldn't believe Gannon's went out of bounds. That thing, it almost sat. I mean, I'm sure most of the listeners have seen the footage, but when it came out of his hand, I thought, oh, it's over. Like, that looks perfect. But yeah, it just got over top of the hill, and then it still looked like it maybe put the brakes on, and then it just got one more little spin and rotation and, and took that slide into the water. Thankfully, that OB is so close that it's not that much of a pressure putt to force the playoff. But yeah, that was, that was amazing. And then the playoff was good too. I mean, those guys were making clutch shots all the way down. Uh, obviously that seventh hole, I mean, it's almost hard to see that hole not ending a playoff because it's so treacherous and there's so many little pitfalls you can have. You know, it, it's hard to imagine two players tying on that with all the chips down because once the first guy throws, it's there's a lot of strategy that comes into play. And I thought Drew played it you know, really smart to, to go with that layup and force Gannon to make the putt. Does, was going first on the seventh hole the kiss of death there? If you have your choice, do you want to throw first or second? Well, I loved how they were doing this alternating thing. I mean, that's super fair, I think, because obviously going second is a big advantage. Though, I mean, that you can look at it the other way, too. If you're really confident and you stick the thing close, that forces the other player into an uncomfortable situation to have to make an eagle to extend the thing. So I don't think it's um I don't think it's a big deal uh you know but but certainly there is a lot of strategy that changes whether you're first or second but the fa- the fact that they alternated all the way down you know I feel pretty like that was pretty fairly done. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. It was uh it was amazing to watch. Uh we've got another question here and you knew this one was going to come up and this again was from Instagram and this was from Luke uh 
Hess, Hesse, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it here, but I appreciate you, Luke. It says, uh, I just want to hear how Nate feels about Kale losing the streak and now making you the longest cashing streak. Um, know that you guys were kind of pushing each other. So does it change how you feel about your own personal streak now? Uh, no. Uh, I, I felt I was kind of, I felt heartbroken for Kale because it went down in a difficult way, you know, where we were both kind of pushing and struggling that final round, but he had like gone out of bounds. I heard I was playing at the time and then made an incredible shot to get up on the green and potentially extend the thing. And then ended up missing the putt, which like, it can't be any more painful. We've all done that as disc golfers. Uh, but no, it doesn't change the way I feel about uh, my streak. Uh, you know, technically mine is longer by time, but he have, he plays more than me. So his is more impressive in my opinion, because, you know, 307 events versus whatever I'm at, 260. Uh, I think I've got pretty long odds to make it past 307, but you never know. The, the pace I play, that you're probably talking about three to four more years uh, because I just don't get out to that many events these days with uh, family constraints and everything else. But, um, yeah, I mean, what he did was incredible. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, King Climo had some streak of over 400. Again, the era is different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just hats off to him. It's cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even really known about the streak that much if he wasn't always uh, keeping tabs on it and publishing it. And it's been really fun, you know, texting back and forth whenever I was close to missing and he's not there. He's like, all right, man, and I do the same thing for him. You know, I'm watching his performances and we're kind of rooting for each other as kind of old guard players. You know, I think I, I mentioned it when we had him on the show. But, you know, I remember meeting him in 2005 in the line for the payouts at the USDGC. So that, that like predates either of our cashing streaks because I think it was one of our. It was definitely my first USDGC and maybe his as well. And we were just kind of like, "Wow, crazy! We cashed at the US Championship." You know, just young guys at that point. And now, you know, time flies. Now we're some of the older guys in the whole tour, and uh, you know, definitely, definitely was sad to see his end. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him rattle off a hundred in a row uh, at this point. So for anybody who's interested, let me just tell you. Um, and I was standing right on 18. I was feet away from watching Kale hit the band. And my entire body, I felt like this, just my blood went cold. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Um, and he walked off as cool as could be, smiling, having a good time. The next day, he was there. Mr. Cool, he hung out. Afterwards, he's in the parking lot. He's throwing Frisbees with everybody. Um, in fact, he uh, he gave me one of his protos, his uh, airborne disc golf. So uh, I can't wait to get out and, and throw that. The Falcor, this thing is awesome looking. Um, so he uh, he really is like the coolest guy in disc golf. It didn't bother him. He was happy to be there. He was having fun. Um this after the tournament frisbee tossing situation, it got out of hand, Nate. Um, <laughs> it usually does. There was uh, there was like ten guys on each side of the parking lot, and as I had mentioned, Seppo had a case of actual frisbees, catch frisbees, and it was just like it was a war, man. <laughs> um, there were just discs flying on on all sides. It was uh, it was getting out of hand, and then uh, Kevin Jones started throwing grenades, and everybody got the hell out of there. I, yeah, I never, man. 
I've I'm, never seen anything like it in my life. I'm glad uh, you got out unscathed. Yeah, uh, I, it was it was close. In fact, that's what Calvin said. Calvin's like, uh, Kevin's throwing grenades, man. I'm out of here. He slammed the trunk <laughs> on his slammed the trunk on his rental and hopped in, and, and he was he was gone. So, um, but yeah, it, Kale couldn't have. Uh, it, he's just a cool guy, and I was sad to see the streak end, but I don't think it's going to affect him one bit. No, I mean obviously he was it it hurt him, but it you know he's yeah he's it's it's not like. Obviously, you want it to keep going, but everybody knows that things end, and and he's a he's a realist, and he's definitely a guy who's not who's going to let it roll off his back and and come back stronger. Guys, I wanted to take a quick break and tell you about two things I learned out in Las Vegas. Garrett Gurthy throws the disc a mile. And Double G Craft Jerky is the perfect snack to have in your bag. Whether you're out playing around or you're walking and watching these pros play, Double G Craft Jerky hits the spot every time. I know we've talked a lot about Nate's flavor, the sweet and spicy, my favorite, but there are seven flavors available. There's the Garlic Lover's Dream, the Hot Boom Sauce, which most say is about an 8 out of 10 on the heat scale, uh, Original, Teriyaki, Smashed Cracked Pepper, and then there's the McBeast's Barbecue and the Paul's Max Weight Original. Double G is teamed up with the Paul Macbeth Foundation. A portion of all of his sales go directly to his foundation. The rest, a portion from every bag, goes to Garrett's Foundation, uh, going right back into disc golf. The team over at Double G Craft Jerky, Ted, James, Double G, they're doing an amazing job. Guys, you can get a jerky subscription now. Three months, six months, 12 months. Have the jerky of your choice arrive each month. It's like Christmas, but monthly. You can choose any amount of flavors you want delivered right to your door every month. You won't be sorry. Check out Double G Craft Jerky. Get yourself an awesome snack. Help out an incredible guy who's putting back into disc golf to help grow the sport. DoubleGJerky.com So here's a, a fun question, and it's funny because I'm actually dealing with it right now as we record this podcast. Um Javana Austin, I hope I'm saying your name right, from uh, Instagram says, it seemed like the courses were right on the McCarran flight line. Were the planes particularly distracting during the tournament, or did you just get used to it? It was very distracting in audio on the coverage, and I was just watching for fun. Oh, I mean, I guess we've been playing there a long time, and, and disc, there's been a lot of disc golf courses under uh, near airports. So I don't even notice it, to be honest. Uh, the noise is so backgroundy, and even though it's loud, it's it's so constant that I, I don't find it to be like the type of noise that would distract me while playing. That's going to be more like a sharp, surprising noise in an otherwise quiet moment. So I, I don't think anybody is too bothered by it. Obviously, it'd be nice if there was less noise because then you can hear the sounds of the environment a little better. But but in a, in a short answer, no, I don't think it bothers anybody. I'll tell you, noise never, it's funny, noise doesn't bother me when I'm playing at all. And I was telling, I was by playing this winter league and I told the guys, you know, during like round one that, you know, they're talking while you're in the tee box and you can kind of hear them and I'm, and that's fine. And then they stop and I'm like, listen, I need one or the other. You guys either have to be quiet the entire time or you have to keep talking. But when, you, when you're when you talking and then you stop real quick because, you know, I'm getting ready to throw, it messes me up. Just keep talking. I'm <laughs> yeah, fine with 
I'm fine with the constant sounds, but when it's noise, 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 and then all of a sudden it's this quick silence, I don't, I don't like that. I think I would be, I think I'd be ear, I'm going to be earbud guy this, this summer for tournaments. Wow. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm going earbud guy. Wow. You got to do what you got to do, I guess. I don't know, man. All right. So we're going to go over to email submission that came in. Um, it's funny. Nate. Do you think it's time to have the conversation about changing the first pro tournament of the year from Las Vegas to somewhere else warm? For example, Florida, Georgia, or Southern California coming in from Don Delaney in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I don't know exactly why, uh, but I mean, if someone had, if someone had a tournament and a staff that could compete with Las Vegas, um, I'm sure that could be an option. But uh, it's pretty. The tour is pretty set in its ways, you know. It's like those volunteer crews and those tournament directors have their slots, and they're roughly their time of year that they've been doing these things for twenty years or more. So uh, that's not an easy thing to just kind of pop up and compete against. So the fact that you know it always kind of starts in in Vegas and Arizona and moves into Texas and then you know moves around the country kind of in the same way roughly every year. Uh, that's a hard thing to change because there's a lot of momentum there and there's a lot of amazing TDs and, and teams of people that are like a well-oiled machine when it comes to running these elite level tournaments. And that's not an easy thing to do. I agree. It's, and like you said, it's, everything's been pretty set. It's, it's a little tough to change it now. So let's lead into a question from Mr. Ace two, not Mr. Ace one, Mr. Ace two. Um, on Instagram, and he wants to know, Nate, do you find it easier to win a multi-course tournament or a single-course tournament? Um, I don't think I notice a difference, to be totally honest. It's it's easier to practice for a single-course tournament. I don't know that it makes it easier to win. Uh, unfortunately for me, you know, at the elite level, I haven't won all that many times, maybe a handful of times in my career. And when I win, it, I, I don't know, I don't really connect it to that. It's just like, man, the putt was really feeling good and I wasn't hitting a lot of trees. And, you know, that's that's when you have a chance. When everything's kind of clicking and you're playing your best golf, then you have an opportunity to win. But I, I don't feel like I've ever drawn a line uh, between single course and multi-course, and I've won in, in both ways. Uh, I think I prefer, like, three. the three at Las Vegas is too many. I'll say that. It's, it's hard, uh, and I think almost all the players agree with that. Uh, it's just hard to prepare in a way that you feel content with for three courses, especially when we had like that crazy wind blow in and then, you know, the practice almost feels useless because you're looking at the extended forecast and it's not going to be that windy for the tournament. And you're out here 25 mile an hour, just throwing discs that you would never even use uh, when it comes to actual tournament day. So I think we prefer one or two. Uh, probably one is would be the way most people would vote if it was a really, really great course. I think one is, is amazing because then you can really dial in and put on the best show possible. But in terms of ease of winning, I don't, I don't make a connection there. Hey, guys, want to take a quick second to let you know about our friends at FlightPlateStamps.com. Flight Plate Stamps, their foremost goal is to give the disc golf community the opportunity to personalize their discs in any way they see fit, whether it's for a utilitarian or humorous purpose. Flight Plate Stamps is at your creative leisure. Check out their stock stamps or hop on there, customize your own stamp, get yourself your own Jarrett from Buffalo or whatever you want to have on the back of your stamps. 
Never lose a disc again. Never worry about having to have a Sharpie in your bag. Flightplatestamps.com. This question came in about a million different ways and a million different times. So um, I've read a few players who have uh, were certainly not thrilled with the three-course layout. Obviously, Paul McBeth didn't even want to come and play it. He skipped it. Um, do you think that's enough to see some changes in the future? Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was going to change a while ago. But, uh, yeah, again, you know, they, they have a good thing going with having all the amateurs come in and – I think they really value having uh, letting people have that measuring stick of like I'm an amateur, but I played the exact same tee pads as the open guys, and I can kind of see and that and I I get it like people think that's fun and that's cool, but uh, but yeah, I think you know it'd be great if we could set one of those courses aside and have the AMs use it a couple of times, and maybe we only play two of them uh, over the weekend. But I I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I, I thought when they went on the disc golf pro tour that would change it. It didn't. So I would I would not uh, be surprised if we continue to do three, and I'll keep playing it, but uh, but I won't uh, say that I love it. I, I would prefer it to be two. Okay, fair enough. Uh, this came in from Michael on the email. He asks uh, about losing discs at tournaments. Brody lost a very important zone, and he was posted on social media that he was paying cash rewards for anybody who got it out of the drink there in Las Vegas. Um, have you ever lost a, a really important disc in the middle of a tournament that you that you were wishing that you had to finish out the rounds? Of course. Yeah, yeah, plenty of times. Um, but usually, obviously, you have backups and, and you do your best. But, no, I've, I've dunked a bunch of really good discs in the water or uh, into into deep woods and lost them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you just kind of keep your head down and do the best you can. But I've definitely lost some really valuable, you know, expensive-type discs and some really important throwers. And, yeah, I've been doing this too long to have not had a couple – uh, bad bad times out there throwing discs in the water. Are pros are pros writing their names and phone numbers on the inside of their discs? I don't write my phone number anymore, uh, but I do have my name. Uh, some people don't even do that much. They just make a little symbol or something. But I don't think too many of us are doing phone numbers at this point because the game is just kind of getting pretty big uh, to right. where you, know, you don't necessarily want to have your phone number out there for anybody to just stumble upon. Now, are you are you Sharpie guy or do you have the do you have a fancy stamp? No, I got, I do have a stamp, but I haven't really ever taken the time to to get all my discs done with it. I should do that sometime, but so I'm just Sharpies. All right, I ask because I finally moved to stamp guy. Oh wow! I'm, go, I'm going through these discs. It's just it takes too much time with it. So um, I got I got Jared from Buffalo stamps nice. done um, from uh, from my friends over at Flight Plate Stamps. So nice. uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And I'm just like I, I I feel like the banker in the cartoons now. I'm just like grabbing discs and just boom, 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 just throwing stamps down on them. Approved, approved, and yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it works. So I'm not Sharpie guy anymore. I was for a long time. I don't know, man. Maybe the Sharpie's been throwing off the flight plate, the the, the path for me. That's been I the might, problem. I might need to send a disc over and get a Jarrett from Buffalo in my bag. Yeah, yeah, you might. I suggest everybody has one. And uh, if it's anything like the ones that are in my bag, you'll have it for like at least a week for sure. Nice, nice. Um, you'll be able to, to hang on to that. Um, okay, so here's a question that uh, – 
came in from Joe in the email. Um, first of all, he says that he uh, loves listening to the podcasts. Thanks you for all you do for the sport. Um, and his question starts out, Nate, do you play Wordle? No, but I did. I do know what it is now, thanks to German Jules. They showed me a tropical smoothie cafe not seven days ago. So I didn't know anything about it, but they explained the rules to me while we were waiting for our smoothies. So I know what it is, but I don't play it. And thank you for listening to the podcast. And sorry about the inconsistency that falls on my head, not on Jarrett's head. Um, just being busy and and you know not being able to record as often as as I would like to for all you guys. And I'm, I appreciate everyone coming up and uh, saying they enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it was pretty neat. In fact, I'm going to tell a fun story right now. I don't know the guy's name, but hopefully he's listening. I'll get a chuckle out of this. But uh, we're standing right off of 18 in Las Vegas, and I'm I'm looking at you, Disc, and I'm like, man, Nate's got a birdie, 16, 17, and 18. If he doesn't birdie 16, 17, and 18, he's not making the cut. And the guy goes, yeah, no, both streaks are done. They're both finished today. Um, Kale well, with that putt right there, and Nate's Nate's not going to make it either. So it's they both ended in one day. I said it's not over. Nate can still birdie out and and end up you know doing this thing. So sure enough, Nate, you go ahead and you hit those birdies. So you birdie birdie, and as you're coming up to 18, and it's clear that you're going to birdie. Uh, I looked over at Anna and I was like, he's going to hit this, and uh, and he's going to make the cut where he's going to be good. And the guy looks over at me and goes, by the way, man, love the podcast. No, no, of course you do. No problem. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was funny. I guess uh, so many people say, oh, no, as soon as they hear the voice, they know, oh, hey, that's it. In fact, uh, I want to shout out Adam, who I met in California at Cali Vibes. I also ran into James Conrad there. Um, but uh, Cali Vibes, which was... Uh, um, a three-day festival in Long Beach, California that I was doing uh, for the other podcast. And I come stumbling across a merch booth for the band Revolution. And um, Wes, uh, their drummer, is an Innova-sponsored celebrity um, player, loves disc golf. And um, guys showing me the discs and we're talking and Anna brings up the show. The guy ends up being a huge fan and uh, it was really pretty neat that I'm at this uh, um, show out in Southern California and I come across this guy who listens to my disc golf podcast. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty neat, Nate. Was, uh, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta thank you for, for giving me that platform because it's, uh, it's pretty cool to get to come on and talk some disc golf. I don't know how we made it this far without saying that me and you and Anna met for the first time in Las Vegas. So we never actually officially met before this whole time we've been recording, you know, the problem with being in Washington state and in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, that was awesome that we got to, uh, see each other and actually say what's up and, and talk a little bit in real life. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it, it was nice to be able to, uh, to do that. And like I said, I met a lot of people, um, that I, uh, that we've had on the show, uh, and that, uh, um, you know, I've spoken to before. So it's just, it was neat to be able to, to get out there and, um, you know, disc golf is, uh, it, it's definitely a different event. If you've never been out to see live disc golf, I suggest you go ahead and you do it. Um, because you never know what's going to happen. Like for instance, Nate, during our, uh, our first meeting, a fan came up and asked big germ for an autograph, not even for him, but for his friend. He said, this is my friend's 
Thunderbird, and uh, it w- he would be honored if he would autograph it. And uh, what happened? Yeah, Germ pulled about the most Germ move ever. <laughs> he was like, wow, this is so pretty. I mean, do you think I could have this? <laughs> and he's like, I'll, t- I'll send your friend another disc. I'll send your friend two or something. You know, can I talk to him? And it turned out the guy's actual name was Jeremy Little. So, yeah, I don't know. But that was about – I mean, Germ did plunk one in the water the day before uh, during the practice round. So, I don't know. I don't know. He just maybe didn't have enough spares with him. But I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, this is just a beautiful Thunderbird. I mean, I could I have this? <laughs> <laughs> you, you you would think he knows a guy. but Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's He drove out here. So, he uh, he he doesn't he has a big uh, fifth wheel now, and he's got his new truck. But uh, they didn't bring the fifth wheel for this first leg of the tour, so maybe his spares were a little more constrained. But uh, next time they come over to the West Coast, they're going to be towing that big fifth wheel, and they're going to have the dogs with them, and it'll be a big old thing. It was just uh, it was just so amazing to be able to witness that live and in person, and and watch Big Germ do you know what big germs do yeah uh, that's that's kind of how it goes and then at the next day uh, at his round he signed an autograph for a fan and the fan says uh hey man thanks from one big germ to another and germ stops turns around and goes who's the other big germ and the guy goes well that's i'm big germ that's what my my friends call me germ goes how big are you guy goes <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 almost six three he goes <laughs> You're medium germ at best, <laughs> and turns around and they had a big laugh. So, yeah, you, you never know what you're going to get at at live disc golf. So, if you haven't been out to check it out, I suggest you you go ahead and get out there and and check it out. Uh, Nate, what's on your plate for disc golf? Are, are we are you going to get in the booth? Are you back out on the course? What what are you looking like here? Yeah, well, I if you look at the U disc stats, something. I forgot how to putt. So I've been doing a lot of that, trying to figure, get reconnect. And I was making some breakthroughs today, so I'm excited because I was just kind of in a in a valley. You know, all these kind of things are kind of peaks and valleys as you're going through your career. And I was not in a good spot with the putter. So I, I think I missed 14 in the circle in Vegas. That's pretty unacceptable. So, uh, you know, I don't want to live that cash line life too often because it gives me gray hair trying to, trying to come down the stretch and make birdies to barely squeak in. So... Yes, first thing up for me after this, putting practice, then I'm going to Bend uh, to do the Waco show for the live uh, for Disc Golf Network, and then I am going to Texas States uh, to play. Yes. Okay, perfect. I like it. I like that. Uh, I like that run right there. So, um, is your is your bag looking the same as it did in 2021? Have you added anything new? Are there any different discs in your bag that you're throwing for this season? Um, I have an AVRX three that I'm trying to mess around with, though it didn't really work the one time I used it uh, in Las Vegas. So I I need to figure that out. Um, let's see. I just put a couple more orcs in my bag because Texas States is really wooded. So I'm trying to kind of get in tune with those again. Some of these older orcs that I can throw on the forehand and really get a nice flip up with, uh, because I think that's going to be an important shot on that very difficult and long wooded course. As far as brand new molds, uh, I don't think there's anything. Oh, the, the new one called the Toro, the new, uh, stabilized version of the rat. That's definitely in my bag kind of more overstable mid-range that I use primarily for forehands. Innova gets me every time because they come out with a disc called the Toro, and I'm like, yeah, 
yeah, I got to have that in my bag because when, you know, how cool is it to just be like, I'm going to the Toro and, you, <laughs> yeah. and I pull it out and then have no idea how to really, but it's just, I, you know, it's a, it's a good flex on the course. Innova has the best names for discs hands down. Um, you know, other than the fact that you're the end of a team captain and you know, they've done pretty well for you. Um, <laughs> they're, they have the best, they come up with the best names in all of disc golf. So this episode of Bradley's House Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at HeyGoodFarms.com. HeyGoodFarms' goal has always been to provide hemp products that improve your quality of life. And their process is really the difference maker. HeyGoodFarms handles your product from the dirt all the way to delivery. This ensures a top quality product every time. And all their hemp comes from the same process, from the same facility, ensuring consistency in every order. Check out HeyGoodFarms.com. That's H-A-Y-G-O-O-D-F-A-R-M-S.com. And check out their incredible line of gummies, cartridges, oils, skincare, capsules, and even a line of products for our furry friends in the pet care section. The point of using CBD is to make sure that you're not putting bad stuff into your body. So check out HeyGoodFarms.com. You can see their lab results, reviews, and read more about their process and what makes HeyGoodFarms.com the leader in the CBD and hemp industry. We thank HeyGood Farms for sponsoring this podcast and working with the Knoll Family Foundation in getting Bradley's house open to help us in our war against opioids. Well, Nate, it was uh, it was awesome to be able to run into you in Las Vegas and, and spend a little time with you. It was great to see you pull off that amazing run at the end there. We had a million questions. I didn't really want to bring them up because I think it's pretty obvious. You touched it on a little bit, but um, you know, the streak is something that you do think about, I, I guess, and you, you, you'd like to keep going, right? Oh, absolutely. I feel a lot of pressure, uh, you know, in a different way, but I embrace that, you know, like pressure is not a bad thing. It's just kind of an uncomfortable thing, but it's not bad. Uh, so yeah, I definitely feel the pressure uh, to keep that going and to, you know, just cause it's something I'm proud of and it's something that I know can't last forever, but I want to keep fighting and, and push it as far as I can. And I don't know if that'll be two weeks from now in Texas or five years from now, you know, which would be a fantastic if I could kind of keep, keep trucking and keep playing well, because you know, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable thing. What Kale's was able to do and what I've been able to do as far as, you know, that means 260 tournaments in the top 40% without ever twisting an ankle, without ever pulling a muscle, you know, or at least not to the extent that it made me retire from the tournament or play so bad that I fell out of the top 40%. So it's it's something that I, I have a great uh, sense of pride in, in being able to accomplish that and being a consistent performer throughout my career. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely want to keep that going as long as possible, uh, you know, while obviously recognizing that nothing lasts forever. But yeah, big, big uh, thing for me. I've had plenty of uh, close calls over the years, and they're always very stressful. Yeah, when you walked off on 18 uh, after hitting all those birdies, you looked like you just got done running the Boston Marathon. Yeah, uh, I could I could see it in your eyes that it, but you know what? It was an amazing run, man. It and, was kind uh, of the only like really good disc golf I played the whole time. <laughs> Once my back was officially against the wall, 
then I actually then I parked four holes in a row. I don't think I parked four holes in a row at any other point the whole tournament. If you had to, uh, if you had to pick one of those courses to play uh, in a big money round, which course would you go on? Um, like which one do I think I would play the best on, or which one's the most fun? Um, the ones the, you're going to win some money, so it's the course that you think you're going to go kick somebody's ass on. Yeah, I think probably the probably the Innova course is the one that um, it's probably the hardest, and yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I think I like I like that one. That has like, some really signature holes. Like that 18th is incredible. Yeah, I love the end of it, of course. The it was it was absolutely beautiful out there. So, um, well, other than that, Nate, Las Vegas was an amazing kickoff. I think from some of the things that we saw, both in the MPO and the FPO side, uh, I know we took so much time taking all of the the questions and, and talking about Las Vegas. We didn't even have a chance to talk about uh, the amazing race that you know Katrina and Paige were in again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the the women's disc golf guys. If you're not checking out the FPO you are doing yourself a disservice because the field is strong and they are playing some disc golf. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the great Europeans are here. So, you know, it's what we've all been waiting for for about three years now. Yeah, there was some amazing shots. Um, the, the FPO was just so much fun to watch and took it all the way down to the wire. So Las Vegas all around was just a, an amazing sign of what's to come for the season. Uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing some more of these tournaments and can't wait to see you get out there in Texas and, uh, man, the woods. It's, uh, you're a brave man. <laughs> I try. I try. It'll, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be fun. I did the commentary for that tournament. I've never been there, but uh, it looks it looks difficult. But I, I think I, I think I got what it takes. I would be interested. I'm going to message Jonathan Gomez and find out. I, I bet you they have their most editing to do during that that one. I, I imagine there's a lot of bleeps and a lot of cutouts. Yeah. And because uh, that's that's what that course looks like to me. Yeah, yeah. That not to mention the occasional double or triple bogey that takes a while to edit when you got discs not really making much progress. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, uh, hopefully that's not going to be an issue for you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you out there. In the meantime, uh, they can catch you on the Disc Off Network for Waco. Correct. Who, who yes. Are you call, who are you in the booth with? Is it Philo and Ian? Uh, it's gotta be Nate Doss. I'm going to bend and then oh, Nate Doss. I, I yeah, can't remember right. if it's, it's, it would probably either be Terry or Ian, but I can't remember who's on the schedule. Uh, either one would be great. I like working with both of those guys. I love, I love Nate and Nate. Honestly, it's, it, it, it makes me feel warm. I know that it's, uh, it gets a little confusing sometimes, but, um, I, I love when you and Nate Doss are on there together. I just like, yeah, I just like going down there and hanging out with him and Val. They're good friends of mine, and and being there at Bevel is fun, and Bend is a cool city. So yeah, I, I like taking the opportunities I have to get down there and and call some action. They like having you too over some of the others, I'm sure, because you're not uh, you're not going after the free beer. So uh, <laughs> true. They're 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 saving the they're saving a ton there. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, a cheap date. I'm definitely a cheap date. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, don't forget, guys, check out uh, Nate's uh, sweet and spicy double G jerky. Yeah, I saw it, 
saw it for sale. Uh, if you're at Live Disc Golf, you can check out the uh, the Disc Golf Networks booth, um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour. They've got the the jerky there for sale. Um, but make sure you check them out. It's uh, Nate. I'm digging the sweet and spicy. It's so good. I, I'm like. I'm going through it a little too fast. Like they're very generous. They sent me a lot, but I'm I'm definitely uh, tearing through those bags because it it is really good. I had a couple of bags with me in Vegas and they didn't last long. No, but I will tell you, a lot of comments. People are saying you're looking good. You're 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 slimmed up. You're trimmed up. You're ready to go. Um, so uh, I saw a lot of comments about that. I don't know what that says about what they thought about you. Looks like previously, I thought you looked great, mate. I got a level with you, man. It's a uh, I feel like it's been six or seven straight years where I show up out on the tour without dropping a pound, even though I should have, and everyone goes, man, you look so thin. And I go, I'm not, but thanks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm buying cooler clothes. But yeah, that was... every year, everyone's always telling me, man, you really slimmed down. I'm like, oh, scale does, scale does not agree. But, you know. We can we it, it feels better than them saying the other thing, saying, "Man, you really got big." Yeah, yeah, it, uh, the, it is. It is better. So uh, I guess that's interesting. It's got to be the clothes, man. Maybe, maybe, just, or maybe you know, I'm just maybe I'm just getting so muscular. I don't know. Well, you do you do have calf muscles that are like the size of like children's heads. <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little crazy. So yeah, I don't uh, know. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I appreciate you being able to come on and let us talk a little uh, Las Vegas Challenge. It was uh, so much fun to be out there. And like I said, just a, an amazing way to kick off the uh, the season. So, uh, Nate, I don't know, man. I, I know that you said you've been you've been out there. You've been practicing your putting. You're starting to get in a routine. Um, I'm I'm hoping we're not going to see too many layups. Yeah, I can't. It's just the older I get, man. It's not. It, it doesn't. The layup doesn't pay like it used to pay. The odds aren't. The odds aren't there. I gotta go. I gotta run it. Gotta run it, guys. Thank you so much. Till next time, I'm Jared Orr. He is Nate Sexton, and we will catch you guys on the next episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. Are you looking to add more distance and better form out on the disc golf course, but you're tired of chasing discs and losing them out in a huge empty field? Well, check out our friends at VisionaryDiscGolf.com. VisionaryDiscGolf.com has created the most incredible portable disc golf training net that is specifically designed to be both large enough and strong enough for disc golfers to confidently work on form and accuracy in their backyard or on the go. That means no more knocking over these soccer nets and softball nets that we've been throwing discs in. VisionaryDiscGolf.com has stepped up and created an incredible training tool specifically made for disc golf. Now you can practice your form and accuracy with your drivers, mid-range, and putters right in your backyard. You can use it for home training, field training, tournament or league warm-ups. Guys, this is amazing for coaches and trainers to work with individuals or groups. Check out our friends at VisionaryDiscGolf.com. If you love throwing discs, you're going to want to check this out. These things are affordable. They're going to be coming out with a bunch of different difficulties. So you only need to buy one base and they're going to keep creating new nets that are going to be able to help you work on different aspects of your game. VisionaryDiscGolf.com. Check them out. 
click the link in the description of this show. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast, and we can't wait to hear about you guys and your experience with these incredible training nets.